illness, maybe the loss of someone we knew and loved to the events of virus, non-stop information and misinformation, overload of various even self-proclaimed experts, some lost wages, some lost their jobs, some even lost their businesses that might have been multi-generation or sort of startup. We've had monkeypox, murder hornets, runaway inflation, $5 plus gasoline, $8 eggs, invasion in Ukraine, and now potential threats that even World War III in some discussions. That's a lot to handle. We know that God is still in control, and God still reigns. It's a lot to go through. Times are tough right now. How much longer do we keep our heads above water before we sink to the level we can no longer bear? But everything's going to be all right. We can all get things together. Remember, God never gives us more than we can handle. Everyone that says that sentiment means well. They want to encourage others and give them the strength to persevere through their dark times. Sometimes saying these words may indeed bring comfort to those in distress, but these words are just another biblical half-truth. They only tell a part of the story, not the entire message that biblical authors are writing to their audience. This half-truth does indeed have its source in the Bible. Many people refer to the reading we just had today, 1 Corinthians 10.13, as the basis for the praise. They tend to quote at least partially when they say, God won't give you more than you can handle. Yet that's not entirely what Paul actually wrote to the church in Corinth. No temptation has seized you that isn't common for the people, but God is faithful. He won't allow you to be tempted beyond your abilities. Instead, with temptation, God will also supply a way out that you will be able to endure it. The original Greek text word that is used is parisimai. In this passage, which means tempted, or to test, or to entice, to do wrong. Some suggest that Paul is using the term as tested, which means, in a view that does indeed say, he won't give you more than you can handle. When we read our Bible, we not only have to view what the author is saying in light of the translation that's being used in the edition we're reading, we must also view what's being said in the proper context of the author's writing. Paul used the Greek verb in the Aorist passive infinitive, just a fancy seminary way of saying he was talking about temptation, including idolatry, immorality, but not trials and hardships. He was writing to the young church in Corinth, a Greek city of the Roman Empire filled with pagan influences. Corinthians were a society of immorality, drunkenness, and sexual deviancies. You might even remember the old 1970s Chrysler commercials with Carl Montebottom a rather lurid draw, talking about the fine Corinthian leather in the interior of the automobile. Paul is addressing the Corinthian pagans, as recently become Christians, when the church was founded. He was referring to the temptations of their pagan surroundings, making the context of 1 Corinthians 10 as one of self-discipline in the face of temptation. The extension, Christians in general, in the face of temptation. Corinthians weren't the only ones to face temptation. The Bible is filled with instances of temptation throughout history. Israel, during their 40-year journey through the wilderness, had God himself visibly with them, guiding them as a pillar of cloud during the day and a pillar of fire at night. He fed them for 40 years with manna, the miraculous bread from heaven that appeared in morning dew on the ground. He kept their clothes and shoes from wearing out during the entire journey to the promised land. Yet when Moses climbed the mountain, to receive the Ten Commandments, who has gone so long, Israelites became impatient, gave in to the temptation of idol worship, urging Aaron to create a golden calf as their God who brought them out of bondage in Egypt. Paul writes of how God struck down the Israelites because of their sin. In his first letter to Corinthians, 
These things happened to them as an example and were written as a warning for us. Don't worship false gods like some of the Israelites did. So those who think they're standing need to watch out or, they else, or else they may fall. No temptation has seized you that is not common for the people. But God is faithful. He won't allow you to be tempted beyond your abilities. Instead of temptation, God will also supply a way out that you will be able to endure it. Satan may have built an expressway of temptation, which roads are much smoother and faster than Michigan roads. Though they seem to be maintained by demonic influence given the popular situation every year, but God provides us with exit ramps as a way out of temptations. The Israelites were tempted. The Corinthians were tempted. We are all tempted. Constantly. If we ever had a notion we would be spared from temptation, we are dead wrong. Period. Even Jesus himself, fully human and fully God, experienced temptation directly from Satan. The verse he didn't the verse doesn't describe God not giving you more than you can handle. It's about God not giving you more than he can handle. He will help you out when you're tempted. God provides a way out of temptation each and every time we're faced with it. But the problem lies, in fact, we aren't looking very hard for that exit to choose or choose to pass by with an expressway of temptation. It isn't God that tempts us. We're already doing a great job ourselves. Every time we take our focus from what God wants for us and turn our focus inward to what we think we want, we think what we think is best for us, we keep picking up speed on that temptation expressway. Has anyone here truly thought about the words of the Lord's Prayer? I mean, just sit and really think about each line of the prayer. Jesus taught his disciples to pray this way so another half-truth, God says it, I believe it, that settles it. We know the prayer by heart. We recite it every week in our service. But have we truly thought about what is being said? What are we asking when we recite, lead us not in temptation, deliver us from evil? Is God really capable of leading anyone into temptation? No, it's completely out of his characteristics as pure holiness. Author Adam Hamilton's book puts it best. The emphasis is on lead, as in please God, lead us not into temptation as we would lead ourselves but onto the right path and delivers from the evil one. God gives us an exit from temptation, but we often fail to take that exit. Even when we hear the Holy Spirit trying to lead us away from temptation, even putting roadblocks and potholes in our paths to stop us, or even slow us down, we just go around them, continue on, doing our own wrong paths that we've chosen for ourselves. We're not hopelessly doomed to follow those temptations, though. Paul is saying that when we are tempted, not if, but when, God will make sure that those temptations are not so strong we're unable to resist them. We learned the Bible doesn't really say God won't give you more than you can handle, but is a sentiment still true and valid? We're trying to help others facing hardships and encourage them not to worry because God won't give them more pain and suffering than they can possibly handle. So what harm could that do, right? Let's take a moment at the phrase, God won't give you more than you can handle, carefully, it begins with four simple but precise words. God won't give you. When we speak those words to someone in our loving and caring and best intentions, we're also implying that whatever you're going through, no matter how intensely painful it is, difficult or crushing it may be in your life, it was God that gave that to you. Again, this is completely inconsistent with the characteristics of God's holiness, that he would give you something, give us something bad to handle. It'd be the same as saying God gave you this horrible, painful, hurtful thing 
but they'll stop giving it to you or suffering right before you reach, reach the end of your rope, your final breaking point. So don't worry. Now, it doesn't feel like we've helped that person with their difficulty. Instead of saying, don't worry, God will give you more than you can handle, try saying, try saying, how can we help? We've already discussed how God provides an exit from temptation. We often fail to look for or actually take that exit once it becomes apparent to us. So by offering help, we may help them to find and take the exit to get back on the path God has provided for them. There are three things that are incredibly difficult to say, whether it's due to pride, human nature, or just plain difficult. Number one, I was wrong. It's incredibly difficult to admit that we're wrong to others. It's often more difficult to admit that to God. Heavenly Father, I screwed up. I was wrong. I sinned against you, and I'm sorry. I repent of my sin. I see where I was wrong. I need your help to keep me from where it got me into this situation. Which brings us to number two. I need help. We don't want to admit that we need help. We want to be self-sufficient. But we need help. The Bible never promises we won't go through hard times. There are 66 books that are filled with thousands of years of history providing or proving that hard times are inevitable. What Scripture does promise is that all times, good and bad, God wants us to come to Him as our source of strength and help. The most honest and heart-wrenching prayer in the Bible is found in Matthew 14.30. Peter begins to walk on the water to Jesus. When he noticed the strong wind, he became frightened. Beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me! It was a call for help. The third thing that's incredibly difficult to say, and I'm following scriptures, is Mushkashar, Mushkashishkashar, it's just plain hard to say that. <laughs> when we fail to face adversity and hardships in our lives, we or a loved one may face terminal illness. We may struggle with depression, alcoholism, addiction, abuse, thoughts of harming ourselves or others, or grief so heavy that we feel we're just drowning, just like Peter. We may face the loss of a job, loss of our home, finances in state where we don't know how we're going to make the next payment, bad news from our medical tests. At some point, even during all the difficulties mounting daily for the past few years, we may reach the end of our rope, facing things that are more than we can handle. None of these things are part of God's perfect plan, though. They are not sent by God. Remember, God won't give you. They're not from God, they're just part of the human experience. We each face temptation and testing, just as Jesus himself was tested. He knows what we're going through because he himself has felt exactly how we feel. He is our best source of help because he has endured them from temptations by Satan to an unimaginable agony of Gethsemane and Golgotha. God wants to help us by walking with us through our trials and hardships. They are inevitable, but they bring us closer to God because he understands what we're going through and he will never leave us. The better understanding that Christians have is that God will give you more than you can, but God will help you handle all that you've been given. Semantically, the statements are similar. Theologically, they're both apart. Your struggles and sufferings you're experiencing throughout your life were not given to you by God. He's not piling burdens on you, stopping just short of your breaking point. Your suffering wasn't given to you by God at all. Rather, it acknowledges the adversity happens in everyone's life. It's a promise that when you're going through trials and tribulations, God will go through it with you every step of the way, never leaving you. This is best illustrated in Psalm 23, 4 in the King James Version. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. 
The psalmist presumes that he will walk through the darkest valley. He does not expect God will keep it from him happening or send him on a different path, but he takes comfort in knowing that God is with him every step of his journey, knowing he's not facing it alone. We will all walk through valleys and shadows at some point or several points in our lives, but we can find strength in God to survive all the worst experiences and times we will face. Some of the most important resources we have are our faith in God, our experience in God, and God cares for each of us. God won't give us more than we can bear because he is not the one who will give us those things. God is not testing us by bringing us bad things in our lives to see how we handle them. Instead, we should trust Christ when bad things happen during our lives that God will sustain us, walk with us, hold us near to him, comfort and care for us. From time to time, we will face trials and troubles. The early Christians face persecution for their faith. Paul's writes this in the letter to the Romans. Who will separate us from Christ's love? Who will separate from trouble or distress or harassment or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? But in all things, we will win a sweeping victory through the one who loves us. I'm convinced that nothing can separate us from God's love in Christ Jesus our Lord. Not death or life, not angels or rulers, not present things or future things, not powers or height or depth or anything that is created. We're walking through hard times, walking through the valley of shadows. It's perfectly all right to admit, I can't handle this myself. I need help. I've always admired Mr. Rogers and his gentle teachings that contain so much insight that applies to children and adults alike. Fred Rogers was an ordained minister of Presbyterian Church USA, was able to convey many biblical lessons to his viewers without being overtly religious in his teachings. One of his lessons that fits well with today's message, along with the past few years of constant media overload, is expressed in his recollection from childhood. When I was a boy, I would see scary things on the news. My mother would say to me, look for the helpers. You will always find people who are helping. Bad things will happen to each of us. They're not given to us by God. Look to the helpers. You will always find people who are helping. We will walk through the valley of the shadows of death. Look for the helpers. You will always find people who are helping. Look for the Father. Look for the Son. Look for the Holy Spirit. You will always find them to help you and walk with you all the way. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.